process. You have a way of life. Do you guys go about things? Yeah? Like, I, I got a major decision that I need to make. I've got a process that I go through for this decision. I, I do this. I, do I should probably talk to the spouse. Um, <laughs> we get up. We go bathroom. We take a shower. We brush our teeth or eat and, or eat and brush your teeth, whatever your process. You guys have put your pants on left leg first, right leg. I don't know. But we all have a way of life, a process, a way that we, we go about things. When you walk into church today, if this is your first time, you have a process that you go through, a routine of what you do when you're in an unfamiliar crowd. And uh, some of you guys might be like me. You're like, I'm here. Uh, and <laughs> come talk to me. Uh, or you would just rather be like painted on the wall. Um, we have this way that we go about doing things. We have uh, habits and we have uh, thought processes that we, we, it's just like it's, we're locked into. And we, we like to incorporate God and Jesus and church stuff into our schedules if we can. But you see, that's not how Jesus tells us to prioritize things. We, we've got so much. Joel, you're asking for us to help with mops. You're asking for us to commit to coming Wednesday night for financial peace. You're asking for us to commit to the fair. You're asking for us to commit to coming to church more often, regularly. Um, you're asking for us to do this. And, and it's, it's more to do with, with Jesus and God and the church and other believers and spiritual growth. And it's like, but I've got all these other pressures, all these other stresses. I've got my schedule is packed. And so I'll, I'll fit God in where I can, when I can. And uh, what we're going to read in Luke 14 here, uh, Jesus, he says, that's not how we prioritize things. So let's look at verse 25 um, and following. A large crowd was following Jesus. Say follow. I know you're like, well, that's deep. A large crowd was following Jesus. It is deep. Um, he didn't have Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. Uh, but we'll get into that later. A large crowd was following Jesus. We're going to do some call and response here. He turned around and he said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Hmm. A large crowd was following Jesus. And verse 27, he says, if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Let's look at point one on your sheet there. Every disciple is a believer, but not every believer is a disciple. Why were the crowd follow why were the why was the crowd following Jesus? Healings? Food? I mean Jesus was doing some pretty incredible stuff. So they believed in him. 
They're following him around. They believe it. And they're like, man, what's he going to do next? And Jesus is looking at him. He says, I think it's great you guys believe in me, but that's not enough. You're following me around. But are you really willing to follow me to death? Every disciple is a believer, but not every believer is a disciple. You see, a disciple leaves comfort and control to follow Jesus. That's your blank there under number one. A disciple leaves comfort and control to follow Jesus. You see that there, you got to, you got to, Come to the point of like where your own father and mother, wife and children, brothers, these are our closest relationships. And that's where we're comfortable. And thinking about your own, your jobs and everything else, what we try to pursue, we have a comfortable life that we want to maintain. I mean, that's the American way, right? And, and a disciple, I, they say, I, I've left everything to follow you, Jesus. We leave comfort. Now, that doesn't say, I'm not saying God doesn't want you comfortable. (laughs) All right? He doesn't want you miserable and depressed and, and poor and everything else. I'm saying we need to be willing to give up our comfort in our pursuit of Christ. That's what a disciple is. Jesus, he isn't saying that you have to hate your closest relationships in 26 there. He's saying that your devotion to him, the priority that you make him in your daily life should be so much higher than your closest relationships. In measuring your love, if we got a scale out, and in measuring your love and commitment to Jesus and your commitment to your family, Jesus is stating that your prioritization of him should be so high that it would seem that you hate your own family by comparison, that they would be so far removed on the other end of the scale or spectrum. How great your devotion is to Christ. You see, on Judgment Day, and I firmly believe you got to, men, you need to be men and you need to be pastoring your family, your wife, your children. And, and God calls you, that's one of your first ministries is to your family. But our devotion and our commitment is to Christ first, family second. And by family second, it's not first, second. It's family first, sorry, God first, family second. It's like there's a big gap there of the level of devotion and commitment to the point where you go on the mission field and somebody holds a gun to your wife's head and says, renounce your faith in Jesus Christ or I'll kill your wife. That's a tough decision. Who are you going to let down? God? Or your wife. And if your wife believes in Christ like you do, there's a commitment there that says, don't you dare turn your back on God. Because on judgment day, we don't come before God as a family. We come before God as individuals. It says every knee will bow and every tongue confess. That's, that is the level of devotion that Jesus is saying You have to, it's got to look like you hate your closest relationships in comparison to your devotion to me. That is the mark of a disciple. Let's read on verse 28 and following. He's saying, consider the cost, right? Don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? 
Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. Fool. So, which of you would begin a construction project without first considering the cost? That's me. <laughs> That's me. I'm serious. That's what I'm doing. I'm real built. I, I, I can't wait. I've got to get my porch fixed. Uh, it won't make it another winter. It's falling apart. And uh, that's, that's where, okay, well, whatever it's going to cost, it's gonna, I, I've got to do this. It's not safe for my wife to walk across the porch floor with three holes in it. And, you know, I got a little baby and everything else. So it's, but there's a presupposition. Say presupposition. Presupposition. You guys feel smart yet? It's like presupposition, Uh, a supposition. I suppose I assume something. And so a presupposition is where you assume something before you assume. I assume that this assumption is right. You guys get it? Okay. I assume that my memory is trustworthy. And so I'm going to tell you that we have a counseling meeting tomorrow at 5 (laughs) p.m. Okay. There's a presupposition that my memory is All right, I can trust it. There's a presupposition that Jesus works off of in these these verses here, 28 through 30, about construction of a building. What is that presupposition? People save up money before they buy stuff or build stuff. Do you guys see that? It's like, duh, everybody knows you don't build something or buy something if you don't have the money, right? Okay, well, that's not how it works, right? Not today. Today, we're more prone to think, can I afford to go into this much debt? We think, uh, what will the monthly payments be? You know, in America, debt is normal. In the kingdom of God, debt is bondage. You see, God doesn't work on a, on a pay-as-you-go basis. It's all or nothing. He's talking about the construction of a project, of, of a building. That is equivalent to following me. He's saying, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. But don't start until you, before you count the cost. How many of you know somebody who started off strong as a Christian, as a believer? And things get tough and whatever, and the commitment gets too high, and they trail off. Some of you, that's your story, and you're coming back. Some of you are in that place right now. And you, you just get the foundation laid. And then you, you're just, ah, I really don't know if I can do this. See, it's not as a, you know, buy now, pay later thing. You're not going to get all the benefits, the blessings of being a disciple of Christ on as you pay as you go. It's an all or nothing. You have it or you don't. We're all building something in here. We're building a kingdom of sorts. Look at the third question in your bulletin. You guys, in your bulletin, not the insert. There's some questions there. The first one is, list the top five priorities in your life right now. What are the top five priorities in your life? But as you think about that, look at the third question. Circle, which kingdom... 
do you believe you're building the most right now? We've got our kingdom, what I want, how I want it, things like that. I'm, I'm, I'm building my own nest egg and getting my house how I like it. I surround myself with people I want to surround myself with. Are you building your kingdom? Are you building the world's kingdom? All your effort, all your money, all your time, all your talents goes toward building and advancing the kingdom of this world. Or are you building God's kingdom? So I encourage you, go ahead and circle. Circle the one there that you feel like I am building this kingdom the most. Some of you guys might be feeling a little conviction, condemnation. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's not too late. Don't worry. This is not meant to beat you up, drive you to the pit. This is a wake-up call. Jesus is saying, hey, you guys are following me around. That's great. But this is where it's going to lead. Let me tell you what it's going to cost. And you guys are, many of us, we've already paid the cost. We know life hurts. And, and we're, we're paying for bad decisions. And what a refreshing thing it will be when we actually surrender to God. When we build our kingdom... Or when we build the world's kingdom, we place ourselves in opposition to God's kingdom. Those don't, that, that, that doesn't blend my kingdom and the world's kingdom and God's kingdom. When we build those two, we're at war with God. Let's read on. Okay, Luke 14, 31 through 33. Again, this is consider the cost. You've got to carry your cross Jesus says, or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he'll send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. It's a losing battle. Remember, Jesus is telling us to consider the cost of being his disciple. The king with 10,000 soldiers, that's wanting to pick a fight with the king with 20,000 soldiers, right? That's you. That's me. We're the one with 10,000 soldiers. That represents the people who follow Jesus around. But haven't considered the cost of discipleship. You guys ever thought about that? I don't know. Some guys in here pick a fight with somebody that you really shouldn't have picked a fight with. <laughs> you know, you do something, you say some comment, and it's like, oh, I wish I could pull that back because I'm going to get, I'm going to get it. <laughs> so, you know, that's how disciples, uh, Jesus saying, this is what it looks like as a disciple. For us, we are waging war with the kingdom of God when we're building our kingdom, when we're building the world's kingdom. And we don't even realize it. Let's look at point number two on your hand, in your insert there. Disciples are known by their surrender. They follow Jesus through pain, suffering, and death.
They don't just leave comfort and control to follow. They follow Jesus through pain, suffering, and death. Let's look at verse 32. If he can't, this king who picks a fight with a bigger king, he'll send a delegation of dis- Uh, send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. He's talking about a peace treaty. I mean, how many of us have tried bargaining with God? Right? That's a peace treaty. God, if you'll just, if you'll get me out of this, I promise I'll come to church more regularly. You know, I know, I know I need to give back to God, but I I need to get through this month. But, but God, I'm involved in a lot of things right now. Adding this to, to all the other things I got going on, I, that's, just, that's just too much. I mean, besides, even you said that your yes be yes and your no be no. What? No, I can't give up these other things. I, I, I'm already committed to it. We're bargaining with God. We fight to keep or, or get what we want, when we want it, how we want it, with who we want it, where we want it, right? That sounds like God. (laughs) And then we strike up a compromise with God. We're trying to hold on to our kingdom and lay claim to some territory in God's kingdom. Let me say that again because that's big. We try to keep a hold onto our kingdom, what we want, how we want our life to be. And then we try to lay claim it's a part of God's kingdom. Oh, I belong in this camp. This, I, these promises belong to me. But we're actually declaring war. And we recognize our foolishness and try to negotiate with God. Because he's like, oh, you'd like to come and encamp in my kingdom. You'd like to be a part of this. Great, but this is what, it ex- this is what I expect of you as my servant. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I was just kind of wanting to enjoy... The green meadow and, you know, the, the, the nice things of your kingdom. Look at verse 33. Let's read that out loud. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. This is right on the tails of the king picking a fight with another king and realizing, whoo, bad idea. Let's try and make a peace treaty. And right then he says, so you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. You know what that says? God doesn't want our peace treaty. He wants surrender. You got to give up. It's too late, buddy. You picked a fight. We're going, this, is, this is going through. He doesn't want your peace treaty. He wants surrender. Amen. Let's look back at verses 26 and 27. If you want to be my... If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. If you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. You see, Jesus' audience was well aware of what it meant to carry one's own cross. When the Romans led a criminal to their execution site, the criminal was forced to carry his cross on which he would die. This showed the criminal, this showed his submission to Rome. And it warned observers that they had better submit too. See, Jesus, he spoke 
this teaching to the crowd to help them, to tell them they need to think through their enthusiasm for Jesus. He encouraged those who were, who were superficial to go deeper or walk away. Think about what you're doing. Go deeper or turn back. Following Christ means total submission, even perhaps to the point of death. Wow. Every disciple is a believer, but not every believer is a disciple. Jesus was speaking to the large crowd that was following him, and he told him to follow him. <laughs> he had comp- compassion for the crowds of people that followed him around, but he's not looking for popularity. Jesus isn't looking for popularity. He's looking for disciples. And he even expects those who are faithfully following him around, he expects those to walk away even. Look at John chapter 6. It's on the screen here. John chapter 6. But some of you do not believe me, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. 65. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And then Jesus turned to the twelve and he asked, are you also going to leave? What about you? Why aren't you going to go? He expects he's going to say some tough things that people don't want to hear. Many are called, but few are chosen. That's your blank. Many are called, but few are chosen. That's Matthew 22. Well, let's keep moving on. Over and over, we see in Scripture, Jesus calls us to surrender everything and, guess what? Follow him. You guys getting a theme here? Follow him? <laughs> Listen to this. I listed all the Scriptures there for you. Matthew four nineteen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Matthew eight twenty two. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. You know what? How about you guys say, follow me. Ready? Hold on. <laughs> Matthew 9, 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Matthew ten thirty eight. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Matthew 19, 21. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they Follow me. John 12, 26. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. John 21, 19. Jesus said this to indicate the death, the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then Jesus said to Peter, follow me. John 21, 22. Jesus answered, if I want John, he's talking to Peter, To live forever, to remain alive until I return. What is that to you? You must follow me. Getting a pretty clear picture of what Jesus wants us to do. 
follow him. Too often, we want God to get on board with the direction we're heading. We pray for him to do the things we want him to do instead of submitting to what he wants done. We want God to bless our finances so that we can live comfortably instead of recognizing that everything belongs to God. And we need to manage his money well so that we can spend it according to his priorities. Mm, That leads up to the last one. Number three, God's will is accomplished because of stewardship. I know you guys are thinking, how is he going to tie this into stewardship? Follow me. Being a disciple. Jesus is the ultimate standard of stewardship. Let's look at his priestly prayer in John chapter 17. Verses 3 through 6. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Jesus says in his prayer, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work. Would you say that? Completing the work. That's a steward. (laughs) By completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. Read this with me. They were always yours. You gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Whose were they? God's. He's recognizing. Even Jesus' disciples weren't his disciples. They were God's. And God gave them to Jesus. Jesus knew who was the boss. And all through Jesus' prayer in John 17, you see that Jesus fulfilled the original command that God gave to Adam and Eve. What is this original command? Let's look at Genesis 1. 27 and 28. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. You're thinking, okay, what's this have to do with anything? All right, 3A. Disciples follow God's original command. Disciples follow God's original command. Turn your page over. What's the original command? It is to reflect. Reflect God's image. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. We're to reflect God's image. Number two is to reproduce God said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, reproduce. And the third thing is to rule. He says, govern the earth, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds, the animals. That's why we're the top of the food chain, guys. It's not evolutionary progress. It's because it's a divine order that God set in motion. We are to rule over creation. Reflect, reflect, reproduce, and rule. Let's look at the, keep moving on. After Jesus' resurrection, he reintroduced the original command that God gave to Adam and Eve, and that's in the Great Commission. Let's look at that. Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit 
Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay, he says, I've been given all authority, right? That's rule. I've given all authority, therefore go. He gives us authority in his name to go. We are to rule and to take back what the devil has stolen. Reclaiming territory. You guys remember that last Sunday? Then he says, go and make disciples. He doesn't say make converts. He doesn't say add believers to the church. He says make make disciples. Guess what that's called? Reproduction. (laughs) Reproduce. And baptize them in the name of the Father, Son. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. There's our reflect. When we're obedient to Christ, we become like Christ and we reflect his glory. And when we identify with Christ through baptism, we reflect God's glory. And we're a reflection of the power of God in our lives. Disciples are entrusted with the word, the church, and the kingdom. That's your blank there. Disciples are entrusted with the word, the church, and the kingdom. John 17, 6, we read this. Jesus says, I have revealed you, God, to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. He entrusts his word to us. As other parts of scripture... um, I believe it's Matthew 13, where he talks about to those who hear, who have understanding, more understanding will be given. The disciples came to Jesus, asked, why do you talk in parables like this one? The king and going against another king in battle. That's a parable. Talking about who builds a house. That's a parable. They asked Jesus, "Why why do you use parables in talking to the people? He says, to you, disciples, it's been given the ability to see these things, the truth, the kingdom of heaven. And for those of you who understand and you, you are obedient to it, even more understanding will come. But to those who aren't faithful with what they learn, with what they glean from God, even what they think they know will be taken from them. God entrusts his word to us, and we got to be good stewards of his word. God entrusts the kingdom to us. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus says he's going to build his church, but we're to manage his church. We're to, we're to help build up the body of believers, and we're to go out, and we're to advance the kingdom of God. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. You see, God's will is accomplished by stewardship. God's will is accomplished when we recognize it's not up to us to save the world. That's Jesus' job. We are to manage. Say manage. We are to manage what he's given us. We manage our children, our money, his church, our health, his word, our time, all kinds of stuff. It comes from him and it goes back to him. Our job is to be faithful, to be obedient, to be surrendered in every area of life. From, from marriage 
to money, to missions, to ministry, to material possessions, to motherhood, to manhood, and all kinds of other M's. It's our job to be obedient and submissive, surrendered in all those areas to his lordship. Jesus calls us to follow him. Follow him. Where is he leading? He's leading to God. He's leading us in righteousness. He leads us in faith, hope. He leads us to dependence on God. He leads us to the cross. We come to the end of ourselves. In the beginning of redemption. He leads us to the cross and he says, follow me. Take up your cross. Follow me. Die to comfort and control. To the way you always want it. Give up your kingdom. Surrender. And where, is he, where else is he leading? He's leading us to the lost. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. That is the passion of the Christ. The lost. Such are or were some of you. And that's what Jesus is calling disciples to go. Let me ask you, do you guys have an urgency in your heart? You have an urgency. Would you say urgent? Reminds me of that song. Urgent, urgent, urgent. Anyways, random. Do you have an urgency in your heart? Urgent. I'm not talking about anxiety or worry. I'm talking about an urgency. An urgency about what? An urgency about following Jesus. There's, they're, they're, guys, we don't have time. We got to get things done. People need to be saved. People need to know the Lord. They need to be set free, delivered from finances, from drug addiction, from alcohol, from sexual abuse in their past. People need to be delivered from the pain of this life, from trying to build this kingdom, from being enslaved to the kingdom of this world, to being a chosen child of God, king of the universe, coming into God's kingdom. And building God's kingdom. And he calls us to be a part of that. It's not my job. It's our job. There's got to be an urgency. Man, how do you think this, this, a large crowd was following Jesus? How do you think that crowd came to be? People are out there saying, dude, you got to check out this Jesus guy. Invite people to church. They just might see a glimpse of the power of God and be wrecked for life in a good way. In a good way. We gotta, why, why are we afraid to talk to our coworkers? It's hard. I know it's hard to talk to our family even. Man, we should be having multiple services on a Sunday morning. Because of the influx of people, because we're out there and we're seeing the power of God. And the more I surrender of my life, the more I give up, I empty who I am and I'm filled with the power of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit. I see God's hand move in my life. And it's like, you've got to see this Jesus guy. You've got to see this. Urgent. Yes. Can I get a witness? (laughs) So much of our resources are going to the kingdom of this world. Guys, imagine what our church would look like 
Imagine the impact we would have on our community in the valley if we were debt-free. If we treated money, if we treated time, our talents and abilities, if we treated dreams, our aspirations for life, if we treated it like it belonged to God. What would that look like if we were debt-free, not enslaved, I owe, I owe, so it's off to work I go. Right? That's, I know that's not the lyrics to the Snow White song, but that's how it is. I owe, I owe, so it's off to work I go. Some of you guys are enslaved. You're wage slaves. You're enslaved to a job that you don't really like, that doesn't bring, like, the, that doesn't use your talents and abilities the best that it could, but you're there because it pays the bills. And imagine if you were debt-free. You'd go to work because you wanted to, not because you had to. You'd pick a job that brought glory to God the most with your abilities and your talent and whatever God has equipped you with. What would this kingdom, God's kingdom, look like if we weren't enslaved to a calendar that is so packed with sporting events and other obligations? What would it look like? If our dreams and aspirations, we really believe that it belongs to God. And so it's not about what I want. It's really about what God wants to do through me. Man, are you guys, there's an urgency. (laughs) There's an urgency for the king who realizes, I just threw down the gauntlet. I threw down the glove. I'm picking a fight with a king I have no chance at winning against. What is he urgent to do? Go make peace, right? I, what have I done? I got I to gotta do something. No, just surrender. Let's be urgent to surrender. Amen? Guys, look at your little box on your paper. The goal of this message, if I'm going to give you like one sentence, what this message is about. The goal of this message is to recognize that God owns everything. And wants everything from us as believers. We are merely stewards of what he entrusts to us. He owns it all. He wants it all back. And we're just managing it. We're stewards. Every believer should be a disciple for two, re- two reasons. This is like a, a mandatory thing. You should be. Not you can. It's you should. Be a disciple for two reasons. And there's a lot more. I'm just giving you two. One, disciples become like Christ when they, guess what? Follow him completely. Completely. Disciples become like Christ when they follow him completely. And number two, disciples accomplish God's will. God, not my will, but yours be done. It's a surrender. And so I want to I invite you guys to take a baby step. Let's practice this. Let's practice surrender. Let's practice a reprioritizing of our schedule, of our time, of our money, of our abilities.
Upcoming, we have the Belmont County Fair. This is a really good example of giving up what you want to do <laughs> and your time to be a part of something that's going to bless this church. They're going to give us $4,000 for helping them with this event. We volunteer all the time, all over the place, without compensation. But the Belmont County Fair, we actually get something from it. And that's great. But we're shorthanded. So would you make that a priority? Would you reschedule your Wednesday nights to be a part of Financial Peace University? You know that you need it. If you're in debt, you should be in this class. I don't care if you have a degree in business management. You obviously, we're missing the point that you don't buy something, you don't build something unless you have the money. That's a kingdom principle. Would you reprioritize? Would you give up your sporting event? Would you get up, give up your, your evening to invest in the kingdom of God, to invest in what God wants to do in you, that he could bless you so you can be a blessing to others. And right now, some of you guys are strapped financially. You can't be a blessing to others. If you didn't have to pay $800 a month in credit card bills, how much more could you be a blessing to other people? Amen? Taking a baby step of reprioritizing. Okay, God, you're the boss. You're in control. It's your money. I don't work to earn that money from my boss. You provide, God. You provided the job. You provided the coworkers. You provided the income. And it all comes back to him. God, let me be faithful steward with this. God, help me. I'm to be a good steward with my children. Lord, let me be a good example. If I need to give up drinking, if I need to give up smoking, if I need to give up cussing around my kids, God, I want to be a good example for my children. I'm supposed to be a good steward of this gift that you've given me and these kids. Consider the cost. Count the cost. My heart, and I know Jesus' heart, is that none of you would turn away. But he gives the option. Because it's not an easy thing. A disciple is marked by surrender. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for truth, even when it hurts. God, we don't want to just follow you around. We don't want to be the religious people who, who hang around the cross. God, we want to be on the cross there with you. That, that we are dead to our own agenda to what we want. We no longer live for ourselves, but we live for you who died for us. God, that we would be known as people of surrender. People would look and they would say, that's not just a believer, that's a disciple. One who, who leaves comfort, who gives up control to follow Jesus. God, we want your will done your kingdom to come on earth, that you would reign supreme on earth as you do in heaven. We want your will done. And Lord, let us be stewards. Let us be disciples that you use to accomplish your will, God. 
Lord, that there's this urgency in my heart. God, would you wake me up, slap me in the face, throw cold water on me. Lord, help me to see people the way you see them, that I would have a burden for the lost. God, open my eyes that I would see your hand in my life, not just what you did, you know, 15, 20 years ago or, or, or six months ago when I first came to the light. No, God, I need something today that I can say, look at my God. This is my God. My God isn't dead. He's alive. And there's an urge, you've got to know him. Man, you're dabbling with this witchcraft stuff. You're dabbling with, with uh, pornography. You're dabbling with alcohol. You're dabbling with drugs. You're dabbling with just getting lost in education because you think that's going to change your life. You're dabbling with just getting lost in work because if you just have one more dollar, it'd be better. And it's, you're, you're losing your soul. Let me tell you about this Jesus guy. That there's an urgency, God, that w- there's a boldness, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come right now and bring conviction in our heart. Would you search me and know me, God? Is there anything in me, in me that is offensive to you, Lord? God, don't let our words be empty when we say, I surrender all to you. God, that it would, our feet would follow our mouth. It's only by stewardship will we come before you on judgment day. Will we come before you and you will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. God, I pray for direction. That your Holy Spirit leads and guides that we move in wisdom as we clear the calendar and reprioritize things as we clear the checkbook and reprioritize things. As we assess our home life, dysfunctional or functional, God, that we reprioritize things and that we would be found a good steward. That is moved by your spirit. God, that we're not following our own way, but that we follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.